0: and welcome to the place where you get to eavesdrop on me and a fabulous person having lunch and chatting in a non-creepy, totally invited sort of way, of course. My guest today has been writing about the desperate state in which we find ourselves for The Guardian since the year 2000. She uses her trademark wit to tear down politicians, peek behind the curtain of sport, bring celebrities clunking back down to earth and, well, just generally entertain the masses. Her new book, What Just Happened, is a collection of her glorious columns covering the Cameron, May, Johnson and Trump eras and so very much more. She has a turn of phrase that makes other newspaper journalists, including this one, sob quietly with jealousy between massive outbreaks of uncontrollable laughter. It is, of course, the writer and columnist, Marina Hyde.
1: There's something about my voice that they didn't realise till much too late what was happening. So if you're sort of I don't know, we'd bring Archie Hamilton and say they found this amazing chimp in, you know, in some zoo, in so whatever that can communicate. We'd love you to sit an intelligence test against this chimp. Would you be... <laughs> and it was only after a while that he suddenly realized what was happening. I'm standing in the magnificent
0: vault of St Pancras Station. Uh, You might be able to hear the Eurostar trains in the background, not far from the sculpture of John Betjeman. It's a fabulous place. And the reason we're here is because there is a restaurant, part of the St Pancras Renaissance Hotel, called the Booking Office 1869. And I've chosen this for Marina Hyde for a particular reason, which is, although actually we've never sat down and talked, we have been colleagues at part of the Guardian newspaper group for over 20 years. And we're going to be having a chat about what it is to be a columnist to keep the reader engaged. And I thought being on home turf near the Guardian's offices made a lot of sense. Plus, I really like the look of the menu at the booking office, and I think she's going to like it too. How are you?
1: This is so nice. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Pleasure. Look how lucky I am. Um, Aren't I? There we go. Oh, this is absolutely lovely. Are we the only people here? eh?
0: Yeah, it, yeah, we've closed the entire restaurant. And you know that scene, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in America? Yes. Where he, yeah. he buys out the entire hotel so he can... Yeah. Actually, that Daddy. scene ends really badly. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or Daddy Warbucks and Annie, when they go to the movie theatre and she's just really confused, there isn't anyone else there.
0: There's um, a 2008 piece, I can't remember who it's by, but sorry, it takes you to a restaurant. You so say your taste in restaurants is for the dramatic. What do, you th- what do you think of the
1: space? Um, the, the, beaut- the room is absolutely beautiful. I love it. There are palm trees towering over us. I mean, it's an incredible building. There's a turquoise bamboo cane bar. I mean, this is amazing. Yes, yeah, beautiful. I'm really, I'm a big sucker for a nice room and nice yeah. lighting.
0: So listen, we don't normally date stamp these interviews, right. but I think we have to, because yes. uh, on the day that we are sitting at this table in this huge room with its palm trees, there's stuff going on. There is.
1: Uh, I mean. Boris Johnson has just departed his role as the, from the office of the Prime Minister, and his trust has just acceded to that role. Yeah, it's it's a it's a special day. Let's well, have an
0: olive. Well, yeah, there's some olives. There some um, salt and pepper <laughs> cashews, Some very good bread with whipped butter. It yeah. is a bit sort of odd, isn't it? Because there's lots of us going. Oh, pretty Patel's out.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you ain't that's seen Ronan's
0: nothing yet, yeah. have you?
1: Yeah, it's the. I mean, the thing is, that all of the last ones, you've thought, it can't get possibly worse. And really, after Johnson, in lots of ways, it can't get worse. But then the, fu- the economic fundamentals are so awful now that it absolutely... You know, the lesson to us all is that it can always get worse. The timeline can always become darker. And it seems likely that we have somehow shifted into an even darker timeline. You have
0: said that, you know, you don't do predictions, or at least it's I hate not...
1: Predictions. Journalism's all predictions nowadays. I don't know why. They get everything wrong. I so, include myself in that, that's why I don't do it. It's just one more thing to be wrong about.
0: Although you can look back and see that it was almost right. Yeah, well, I'm going to still read it back to you. And you are publishing it all in a book, so I think I know. it's reasonable to... No, no, for me no, to...
1: absolutely. I was quite surprised when I read some of these things. I thought, did I really write that?
0: The only thing recent administrations have delivered on is making grimly facetious jokes come true.
1: I, I wish it were otherwise. <laughs> I wish I was greeting you on a more optimistic day. Yeah,
0: well, you know, we're in the interregnum where she hasn't actually screwed anything up yet.
1: No, I know, we've got right about forty now, minutes. We've got about forty this minutes. This is this is this is the last lunch, the last good lunch.
0: Before. So two things. We have a menu Ooh. to your left. So I was thinking we could get a bunch of small things. Or a whole bunch of things Oh, God, for you just ordered
1: for me. I love that.
0: This is Jack, who's serving hey, us. Nice oh, hello, Jack. You. How are you? Pleasure, How do you do? Very
1: well, hello. You. Very, well. How are you? very well, thank yeah, you. It's yeah. lovely.
0: So I'm going to get a load of things for the table, and you can bring them out in waves. OK. Or if we yeah. put them in two. So the salt-cold croquettes, okay. the fried chicken, yeah. and the brisola to kick off. Sure. And then the roast and pickled courgette. And can you split a, a fried fish sandwich onto two plates? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And the booking office salad. Oh, no and put some fries on because it's illegal not to. <laughs> so you didn't intend to be a journalist, did you?
1: I didn't intend to be a journalist. Um, when I left university for quite a long time, really, I worked as, as a temp for a secretarial agency and then one day they offered me a chance of going back to this awful bank that i'd worked at which was horrible i hated the people or i could go for three days to answer the phone on the showbiz desk at the sun i realized at that time how many celebrities wanted to be in the paper actively and would ring in i mean sometimes people would ring and say you'll never guess who i'm in bed with i mean it's crazy i was thinking this is so who was, funny. Who
0: was the editor of Bazaar at that point
1: Dominic Mohan was the editor of Bizarre. Oh, he was joint editor of Bazaar with Victoria Newton, who is now the editor of The Sun. It was such fun. And then I thought, oh, well, perhaps I'll try and find a way to stay here. And I ended up doing lots of, sort of little jobs like, you know, doing the picture research for features for a long time I did. Then I ended up writing tiny things about television. I just worked my way in that way. But it was a looking back, like all these things in life, you know, it seems maybe obvious that it would have been something that would have been suited to me to a journalist but at the time I wouldn't have had the confidence had you
0: done any of it um, at university or anything like that no
1: I did lots of sort of comedy and plays and things like that but I didn't do anything like student journalism at all I'm sorry to say so I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that at that time and it's only in later years that I have developed more confidence how long were you on the sun for About two years, and then I came to The Guardian and worked for Matthew um, Norman at The Diary, which I loved, which was was a real education.
0: How did you swap from The Sun? I was sacked
1: from The Sun, and then I went to work at The Guardian. Tell us
0: why you were sacked from The Sun.
1: I was sacked from The Sun for a whole complicated email scandal, which I probably won't get into. And I went to... Work at the. I thought actually no one would employ me, but Matthew employed me at The Guardian. And then I worked on The Diary, which was a brilliant education of just sort of basically... We never had anything approaching stories. We just would ring various people it's in the Blair government and have the phone put down on us and run transcripts of the calls. And I tell you what, I'm such a Sloan Ranger that when I would make the calls, it worked really well because there's something about my voice that they didn't realise till much too late what was happening. So if you're sort of... I don't know, we'd bring Archie Hamilton and say, they found this amazing chimp in, um, you know, in some zoo in or whatever that can communicate. We'd love you to sit an intelligence test against this chimp. Would you be... <laughs> And it was only after a while that he suddenly realised what was happening. That's just as sort an of example of one of them. But they would only realise just because I think I sounded like a very nice girl on the phone. So, we've got so it worked quite Yeah, we got this lovely idea. Yeah, we've got lovely oh yes, yes, very good. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. And only by the end, when you have got easily enough for a bit paragraph in the diary, <laughs> the phone just go click.
0: We're not meant to be very grand no. in the newspaper business. No. And talk about finding our voice.
1: Oh God, yeah, no, but, but. I. D- Well, I first found my voice with the celebrity column. I kept asking if we could write about celebrities, and I think the editor eventually, Alan Rossbridge, said, I'm a bit worried if we don't actually cover this. In the 2000s, there was only, like, two subjects, which was sort of Islamist fundamentalism and celebrity culture. And so, you know, we definitely did one, but you had to do the other as well. I was really pushing to be able to do it, and then I was allowed to. um, And I thought there was a way of doing it that could be funny and, you know, it was quite interesting since it was such a big subject and I think Russ eventually thought that it would be a bit like the Times not covering rock and roll in the 60s or something. Yes, <laughs> yeah. food
0: is arriving. Oh
1: the fried chicken.
0: Okay. Just drop it all in the middle and we'll uh, reach. Yeah. We'll Thank you. Wow! So have got a, a yogurt there for dip and
2: fresh wine. Wow, yum. salt the romesco sauce.
0: Brilliant. Um, I've got the longer arms. So yeah. I'm pushing it all towards you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look there. at this. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Thank you. this. what a treat. Do
0: you want a spritz of lime over the top yes, of it all? Yes, please.
1: Yes, yeah, so I also started a sports column then. and um, and Was that your idea? I started three new columns at once. But it was the sports <laughs> editor's idea. And actually, because I was a woman and there were just so vanishingly few women at all, I'm sure that's why they gave it to me. But there were so few. And actually, that was another good moment in terms of teaching me to just get on with it in terms of because I was you're always going to be an outsider and it was very I mean it was really very pretty sexist I gotta say but I realized I couldn't sort of be admitted to the class so I just got got on with it and found my own way of doing it that really helped me eventually when I found the right way I wanted to write about politics although I wasn't really totally permitted to write about politics, I have to say, for a very long time, because I was put on a day with someone who always wrote about politics, and they would just say to me, oh, no, this other person is writing about politics. And I would say, well, it's quite a big subject. Can I as well? When it was elections, I was allowed to go around the country and write about elections, which I loved. Then when the Brexit referendum happened, I wrote every day, and then afterwards, when it was such a sort of cataclysm for so many people, not all people, obviously, but for so many people, I continued to write, and it got a really quick, big following really quickly, and so they just allowed me from then on. Well, oh, look, come on, you have to have some of this.
0: Well, you do first. So okay, that's right, a right. solo with. Uh, there's a bit of remoulade on the top, and it's I a at- Jay. Just, I think just it talk is. to me about what this is. I, um, Sorry, as you
1: seconds. see, that you really don't want to come to a restaurant with me because it's quite messy. Sorry about no, that. No, messy
0: is good. Mess so is glad this brilliant. isn't
1: being recorded for your pool. Yeah, celeriac
0: remoulade, aged parmesan. Wow there is a thing which is the idea of you as a comfort to the reader in dangerous and difficult times do you accept that
1: you know on my travels around normal life yeah. i am aware that people are quite fucked off with politics and have been for quite some time so having someone whose job job i suppose is to say this is ridiculous this is shit has been you know there is a camaraderie in that and i strongly sympathise with people who have absolutely had it with politics. <laughs> In general, for me, all my life, satire and things like that have been a huge... Other people's satires have been a massive comfort to me, a huge comfort to me.
0: What sort of people? Are oh,
1: I don't know, if you're watching things like... Even as a child who just sat at home and watched the news, going all the way back to things like the day-to-day, you just thought it was so funny. I mean, that ended up satirising the future as well, but there's stuff like the thick of it you thought oh my god yes this is exactly what it's like um and it gives people it changes absolutely nothing I want to be very clear about that it changes absolutely nothing but it does give people a way of seeing things you know it kind of almost gives you language you know we didn't know about omni shambles until it was in the thick of it and now now we're in the omni crisis but well, you, do- you get these words that help. I, I, I find what they have for me, other people's words have helped me so much in my life.
0: Sometimes there's palpable anger. Are they, the one that should stick in everybody's memory was the one you wrote around the time of Sarah Everard's Abduction and Murder. Yeah. Well, you wrote a piece saying it was a I think the headline was something about it being it, it was an ordinary Thing and it happened yeah, and it uh, was about you being harassed. It was
1: harassed. so weird. That that well, week, when, the day before my column, I mean, can you, I mean, I want to say, can you believe it? But yes, women can believe it. This is, wasn't, wasn't my first time that year. Do you want to explain it?
0: what that column well, was?
1: That was in the week, one of the weeks, where the Sarah Everard story was coming out and I was just walking to collect um, one of my children and this guy just followed me sort of for a long, well, what felt like a long way, but you know, it's probably only about... A few minutes. I don't even know how long it is. It feels like forever, as anyone who's ever been in the situation knows. But it probably was only a few minutes. But just being so abusive and disgusting, and you know, I was really scared. There was no one on the street. And even though, actually, when we turned the corner into a you know a London square where there were more people, he carried on doing it. And some people didn't really help. I went back and I had to call my editor about what I was going to write about. And I said, I, I don't know. I might write about this weird thing that just happened to me. Except, is it weird? You know it. He wasn't my first that year, and he certainly wasn't my last, but I just felt... Well, that's
0: the thing, it wasn't weird,
1: Nothing happened, you know, nothing happened. But But it was a deeply distressing nothing. But but then you just sort of bury it with all the other incidents like that, because what else can you do? And it was such a coincidence in some ways, a sort of grim coincidence that it was happening this week where the subject was completely, you know, the kind of continuum from harassment to nastier harassment all the way to absolutely horrible things which i think women see it as a continuum i thought well i wonder if i can write it in a way that is will communicate this and not sound like it's too ridiculous a coincidence
0: well it, it, I mean, it was fizzing with anger actually, yeah that's what was
1: yeah i wrote so, it like in about 30 minutes
0: well it feels like it. yeah and i mean that all the best, best things
1: all the best things are written quickly as you know i think did you
0: get much feedback
1: from that one? Oh, my God. I mean, that... I normally put my pieces online in the evening and in the morning, but that, there was just so much came back from it in the evening. I mean, like... What are you say, online by... by on, to Twitter, on Twitter. But, to like, tens of thousands of people, so many people wrote to me. And I said to my husband, oh, my God, I can't put it on in the morning again. I can't actually deal." it. was just... It was really quite overwhelming in a way, because and people were telling you these awful stories of things that had happened to them, and I feel really sort of... You know, you should reply, and I... I mean, I really spent my weekend answering emails and people from telling me these awful stories from 40 years ago. I mean, just, God, it was... (sighs) But I felt a real obligation to reply to all of them, so... And you um, replied to all of them? I I, I tried to reply to... It was not entirely possible on Twitter, but if anyone wrote to me, and, like, hundreds of people wrote to me, I replied to all of them. Um, And so many men wrote, and, I mean, it, it was awful and also heartening and I don't know you know.
0: I think your default is to say I'm just doing a thing. Enormous numbers of people read you as a sage in their lives.
1: I'm not a sage but I do mind about this stuff and I do mind about people and it may sometimes seem like I'm being totally facetious but I often do think that humour is the best way to get points across and keep it, keeping the anger out in general. And I probably only deploy anger in a quite naked way two or three times a year, because otherwise I just do think people switch off because they feel like they're being shouted at. So I do try to be quite sparing on that front. Um, and I think you can make the, exactly the same points with humour, often, and or, or with a certain slightly... One removed from anger, I think you can make those points and, and in many cases better,
0: so sometimes when you're sitting there writing, have you had to pull yourself back from what you feel is tipping over into from satire and jokes?
1: And- every now and then I read something and I think, "Oh, you just sound like a stupid histrionic cow, just stop shouting, you know <laughs> so but yeah, um I mean, in general, I think that toe tone is so. Im- it's just so important. As I've got older, I've realised that tone is like absolutely almost everything. And if you get the tone wrong, then you can say really have lots of really good stuff to say, but it's it just falls on stony ground. And if you get the tone right, you can also, as the trick of the trade, have very little to say that week, right. but, but the people tone will can think this was a very enjoyable experience, <laughs> and then, even though it was rather an empty one in 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 the view of its writer. You'll English, have to. A oh, look at this! What's this? Oh, a oh, fish yeah. finger.
0: This is a fish finger burger,
1: a fish which and has split down the middle, oh, Because you've got a few yeah. other things coming. That's great.
0: Um, crisp and a tartar sauce. Oh, thank you. Enjoy. You get to use your hands. Yeah, That's I will. Uh, oh God,
1: def- No, no, I don't use a bur- knife and fork for a burger. Trust good. me. You'll just have to watch oh, it. Yeah
0: and the booking office salad. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How have you got involved with Amando Iannucci? Yes. You've written on two series of Avenue
1: 5, haven't you? Yes. The, the sort of space... Yes. And thing one of which has yet to come out. And Well, he he came to me That's from reading. Nice, yeah, nice. I know. So lovely. Can you imagine getting, I mean, my absolute What, comedy. did you get email? Yeah.
0: Dear Marina, I was just reading your column and I wondered if you'd like to work with me.
1: I just literally said, I've fainted, I'll have to get back to you in two hours. <laughs> like, I love him so much. I mean, my total comedy hero. Some, oh, and I've got various other TV things, actually, but one of which is about to start. Was it about, We're back to fill the pilot of that, which is sort of...
0: Can you say anything about it? Would well, you have to kill it's me?
1: It's for HBO as well, but it's sort of behind the the scenes on a superhero movie, and Sam Mendes is going to direct the pilot, and it's Armando's producing it as well, and John Brown, who's amazing for who writes Succession, is going to show run it. So it's really fun. <laughs> it's obviously totally different to you know um, writing about
0: writing about the cabinet. Well, I was going to ask that because that, it's a very different discipline, isn't it? Mm. Script writing.
1: Um, it's great. It's so totally different and. It's really collaborative and you will do, imagine, you know, for someone who writes a thousand words, puts the handbrake on and then sees it appear and print about two hours later. You know, you, you do tens of drafts of scripts and you go over and over and over and it goes right down to the last minute and it's then, it's really, it's totally different and I really like it being totally different. It's really good and it's a thing to be scared of for me because I've, been doing journalism for so long but to, to do something to start something in my sort of mid 40s which I was totally new and which i was really scared and just thinking i just do not know if i can do this at all was so rejuvenating in lots of ways i mean i had to get up super early in the morning to make everything work which i do do every day now and i'm to make it all work but so even though i'm really quite tired i'm feel it's made me feel younger just by being something new
0: structure is one thing mm. dialogue another was it did you always think you'd probably have the ability to write no
1: I, and it's so i'm you know i did as i said i did all this comedy and things like that at university and i really wish it was quite sexist back in those days and i really wish in some ways i had carried on more with it but it was just i didn't feel i had the confidence to you know it's always being put as the wife in the sketch or this or that and i just i just didn't wouldn't have had the again i would not have had the confidence now of having, it's funny to have come to it via journalism because it's not a particularly standard route. But maybe the type of those, the way I've been writing about sort of characters and things like that, has drawn those people who were, ended up asking me to do things. So I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. And lots of people have said to me, who I've been lucky enough to work with since, then, said, "Oh, you should have done it straight away." But I wouldn't.
2: I wouldn't have. It's happened at the right time. Yeah. Hi there. I'm Ollie. I'm the executive producer on Out to Lunch, and this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Imagine you had the time it takes to have lunch, gifted to you each day, an extra hour. What would you do with that time? For me personally, after listening to Out to Lunch in a swanky new restaurant, I'd love to spend more time actually sampling the food there myself. Now, a lot of us wish we had more time, but in reality, if something is really important, then we make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. It can help you clear your head and take control of your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Plus, it's entirely online to save those precious minutes. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already... BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com better, slash out to lunch. That's betterhelp.com slash out to lunch.
0: There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. And, and pre that, and I remember those times when I would sit with PA while yeah. waiting to see anything, any yeah. news.
1: I mean, Joe, yeah, you, you could ignore the news for weeks at a time. Now there are four news cycles a day, and the thing—the material that gets thrown away and just can't be written about because there's so much of it—is it's not.
0: It's not just the news cycles.
1: It's—it's it's all too bloody interesting. Yeah, I mean. That's the thing. We haven't properly analysed huge amounts of the stuff that's happened to us because there hasn't been time, you know. It's, it's such a frenetic patient, and actually, obviously, that is all totally driven by s- social media as well, that it go, things move so fast. Um, it's very difficult to actually make sense of a lot of the things that have happened, and I'm not at all convinced that we have or, un- have, a, or have understood the import of lots of things along the way because it's, you know, it's this mad... Mad rush. It's you know Trump is an absolute product of all of that, and then you can't properly, it, you can't properly work out what's happened at all because something else is being thrown in front of you on purpose or. So politics
0: comes along. Mm. Was it basically that you had a column on a on a particular day, and that's how you started? And, it, and it, was it just Marine? You've got a column. You're now part of the. Um,
1: well, break. as I say, I had to write about other things in that column for quite a long time, general <laughs> comment, but then I have got more into being able to write about... Then I got more into being able to write politics after the referendum. When it, But, you know, this crazy story we will tumble down the rabbit hole and we're still down there. I mean, there's no, there's no exit. If there is an exit, tell me where it is, because we're all down. I remember someone saying to me just about six weeks after the referendum, oh, what would you do in a year when it's... What would you write about in a year when it's all done? And I remember thinking even at the time, oh, I don't think it will be done in a year, but even I, in my wildest nightmares, did not imagine that six years on we'd be just I mean, going deeper down the hole. But yeah. that's the thing.
0: So it's a hell of a collection of characters... Did did you find yourself, as the whole thing unfolded, looking for characters in the way that you had when you were doing the diary column with Matthew?
1: Not really, because you'd think, oh, it's gone a bit quiet, and then suddenly, why, who's this throwing open the door? Enter (laughs) Dominic Cummings. There would be all these ridiculous new people would just step in and reinvigorate the franchise. I mean, it's really (laughs) reinvigorate the franchise. (laughs) One of my favourite types of person who writes to me at The the Guardian is the people who write from, like, America, from somewhere, you know, wherever. Where they have no context for it. Yeah, and say, I really love your columns. I don't know who any of the people are, but I really enjoy the show. It's <laughs> Rather nice to experience it as a sort of, you know, the mad soap opera of a country far away.
0: When the, did the idea for putting all the columns together into a compilation come from you, or was it from somewhere else?
1: Uh, they, we talked about doing it a while ago, and then didn't do it, and then they came back with a much better offer. Right. <laughs> so I did it then. Um, but there were so many of them. I, I mean, I really, as I said, I can't remember writing some of the things. It, there was just so much of it. And also what half the things were, even though people were totally obsessed with them at the time and watching the BBC Parliament channel in the evening. Was
0: the process of looking back, which is the product of the day, a deadline, perhaps your mood as well? Yeah, definitely. Was, was it odd? Was it weird? Was it cathartic?
1: It was really odd. I did it in... Um, I had no childcare that at the time, and I took my children to a place called Kidzania, which is a one of the circles is that of a soft hell. Soft play? No, it's not a soft play. It is. It's so dark. Oh. It's like a city. I know,
0: I know what this
1: yeah, is. Yeah, oh. that is that is in so Westfield, Westfield yeah. and it's a city that where children can have jobs. And you know, th- th- for sort of half an hour, and they run around and work in the hospital, then they go run around and work somewhere. And they kept coming up to me st- while I was trying to do this selection, saying, um, "We can't get jobs at the newspaper." I was like, "Well, that's very realistic." <laughs> Just, you know, go and be coppers or something. Anyway. There were
0: vacancies over there in law and order.
1: I was in a deep tunnel for a whole day with all this noise around me, which I sort of screened out and I didn't hear. But yeah, it was really odd going, and I had to leave some out that were probably better, but I had to kind of keep the story, because it's not all politics in the book. It's, no, sport, it's not, you know, it's it's Celebrities, celebrities and sport, and Trump and America and women's rights, all sorts of other things as well. But I, and I've broken up the chapters of politics with things like that, um, whole chapters on other things, because I felt like this is too relentless. I had to sort of keep the story going because you can't quite understand how it just kept getting worse and worse and the road kept getting narrower and narrower. Even though they're written in the moment, I did think it was quite a sort of sobering anatomy of how we just got
0: to where we, where are. we
1: are. Yeah. Can the, I have the, some of this? I'll go for it. Yeah, can So on. there's the
0: roast and pickled courgette, goat's curd, pine nuts and raisins. Our fried fish sandwich comes with a spicy tartar sauce, purple sprouting broccoli with brown butter hollandaise, and the booking office salad, which has soft herbs, beetroot, cashew, white soy. It's all very nice. It's
1: all terrific. I,
0: know. I think it may be in your acknowledgments, mm. but there's a line where you say the, the legal, the whole issue of legaling journalism. I love the legal
1: department. I've done a shout out, a lengthy shout out to the legal department in my acknowledgments. Yes,
0: you have. But it ends with the line, the best person to legal Marina Hyde is Marina.
1: That, that was a, lo- a lawyer in our legal department said that, and I felt extremely emotional. I like <laughs> I completed the game. As <laughs> you can imagine, I have quite a lot of dealings with the legal department before my things go to press and occasionally after. Um, and it's been, they've, they've, they've really looked after me. I'll find them. I wanted to give them a shout out. It's a very out.
0: basic question. You've had a few, though, haven't you?
1: We had one against Alton John, which we won. But, you know, Alton has been turned out to be a total mensch and just rings me about my qualities. <laughs> just Elton re- yeah. John rings I mean, you. after that, what a, 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 proper, right. a proper celebrity. A proper celebrity.
0: Can you say what the whole thing was about?
1: I used to do a spoof diary, you know, like one of those spoof diaries in the voice of someone mm-hmm. in the Guardian Saturday magazine, but it was about 230 words, so it was tiny. But I think there are lawyers for a lot of celebrities who... You know the junior people in the the junior people in the firm, their job is to go through things and say, you know, Liz Hurley's seen this bit in like page thirty eight of the Sunday Mirror magazine. I <laughs> know she hasn't, and it's just a sort of revenue-gathering scheme. So I'm sure that is what happened in that case. So the legal stuff
0: now, do you are you editing in your head as you go? Do you come up yeah, with a well, line you... and then you go? No, I think I've just accused him of being a serial killer. I, I've got to find another way to do
1: this. I have accused quite a few people of being, of being a serial killer.
0: <laughs> the eyes of a serial killer.
1: Dominic Robb, I think, should always have bodies and chest freezers and stuff. I, yeah, and just lock-ups and stuff. But I did it in such a way. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to say something at this yeah, point. Yeah, he doesn't. Dominic Robb does not have bodies in chest freezers or a lock-up that I know of <laughs> in his Isha constituency. And I just want to make that clear myself as well. Don't come for me now. Um, now you've
0: got more time on the
1: back yeah, bench Now we've got so far. He'll be on a paddleboard in a minute in Corfu or <laughs> yeah. wherever he goes. It becomes second nature and you know what you can say and get away with more.
0: Do you think you've had a part in undermining the reputation of anybody
1: particularly? No, they've done it for themselves, Jay. I are merely the conduit for their I'm the stenographer. It has been a bit like stenography for the last few years. Sometimes the task has been thinking... How can I possibly add a joke on this, which would, in previous decades would have been so obviously a joke in itself?
0: Oh, you, you said, again, in the introduction, you talk about sort of being a cook, not a chef, mm. describing yourself as being the shallow ender of journalism or whatever. There's one column where there's a whole paragraph on Stanley Baldwin giving the abdication oh, yeah. speech. And it's yeah. a beautiful piece of political history. Um, I th- I can
1: do it. I think that the reason people have, if they have, liked my columns is because, it's more, because it's more accessible in a way and, that, you know, probably people would rather think about how it, it's analogous to football or pop music or something in a way than how it's analogous to this quite obscure thing that happened in 1986 in a Westminster backroom.
0: Is that the point? Making it relevant?
1: In fact, I think very socially, always thinking, even when I'm watching sport, oh, this is a bit like that thing that happened in politics last week. And even when I'm watching politics, thinking, this is a bit like that thing that happened in the cricket, you know. I always see it like that. I don't know why it's... I always see things in that sort of slightly metaphorical way. So, in a way, that's part of my way of understanding things. And I think it adds much more to think of, oh, this is like the opening scene of that movie or whatever.
0: I I do love the way you have returned quite a number of times to people whinging about Premiership footballers being paid too much,
1: I think it's awful that politicians complain about how much Premier League players get paid. You know, it makes more working-class millionaires than anything else, and more black working-class millionaires. Footballers did an absolute ton in the pandemic. Did a fuck of a lot more than Matt Hancock, who was constantly oh. trying to get them have that. You know, have have their pay cut. You know, who do, who who would you have rather, Marcus Rashford or him? I mean, really? It's not much of a choice. No, it? it's not really, is it? Bring
0: this um, full set. Sa- oh, actually, there's a. Are you? Have you drawn to a halt? On I have this?
1: drawn to a slightly to. A, well, no, I can. There is a dessert
0: spoons. menu as well. Oh,
1: well, okay. Are you having one? We
0: could, we could get a strawberry trifle Yum. two spoons. Yeah. Yes, please. Get a Strawberry yeah. trifle and two spoons, yeah. and I'll. um I'm rush
1: you if you still. No, thank you. It was so delicious. That's I loved right. it. I'll, I'll take
0: there will be an election at some point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. We live in a perm election. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
0: Uh, the the uh, I think she can go as far as is it the very early she month can go of January twenty
1: twenty five but I don't think anyone's going to thank her for having an election over Christmas so I think it will be 20, late twenty twenty four but what do I know?
0: Do you live in fear of less interesting times or would you actually welcome them? And, and oh,
1: I'd welcome them. Someone said to me the other day that the machine has been sort of taped up since. 2008 in lots of different ways and it's now just juddering and sputtering and it's about lots of different wheels are about to fly off and it's quite hard to see the pathway back as I said all those things about boring things about social media and the news cycle I think we've kind of gone into a Dopamine addicted, chaotic time, and it's quite hard to see the way back.
0: There's a brilliant story about how Belgium didn't have a government. They're,
1: they didn't have one about 589 days. And
0: they had the greatest growth in Europe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but you see, I think, but don't bear in mind that Johnson's government achieved absolutely nothing. It just achieved nothing. Um, and yet, the contrary to some extent, extent continued to happen. So perhaps power lies to some extent away from the traditional centres. Other people, you know, and maybe the British people, Adam Curtis thinks this, that the British people have decided that the... The documentary the, filmmaker y- yeah, his, Curtis, yeah. yeah his, he's Yeah, he's... The British people have decided these people don't actually seem to have any proper power or suddenly not know how to use it, so they keep electing sort of amusing front-of-house people. <laughs> and you've got, you know, which is... Vauderville why turns. They, yeah, yeah, just turns, which is why they were drawn to Johnson. Um, thank you. And so it's... Uh, I think the drama is here to stay. I have to say, because the fundamentals are so bad.
0: And that's just going to keep you in material for columns all the way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it feels like there's going to be lots to write about still.
0: Well, on that note, with our dessert heading our way, I'm going to say, Marina Hyde, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Oh
1: God, this was such a joy. I'd do this every Tuesday if I could.
0: Okay, well, thank I'll you see for you
1: having here. me.
0: <laughs> Marina, thank you. Just. Thank you for everything. And her book, What Just Happened, is out now. Uh, If you loved this show, do please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share this with everyone. Friends, uh, enemies, people you just met in the street, you know the deal. Also, do comment and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you can. It does help us to make more. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged, and performed by me, Jay Rayner, and Robert Rickenberg. The recording engineer was Leif Troop and the mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. Assistant. Producers are Anya Das and Bethany Hawkins. Selena Reem is the producer, and the executive producer is Ollie Wilson. Next time, it's comedian, political satirist, and the journalist Mark Thomas. So I said, I said, you know, since International Women's Orgasm Day, my mum's response was, ah, that's why your sister hasn't been round. <laughs> <laughs>